Morning, Zion. Good to see you again. We were in South Carolina last Sunday to meet and visit with our new little granddaughter. She, of course, is the cutest little thing you've ever seen. She's adorable. Everyone's fine. Uh, they are uh, not having any sleep, uh, as we, you know, we all kind of expect, but uh, they are doing well. Grace, our, our daughter-in-law, has multiple weeks paid of of, uh, of uh, um, what do you call it? Maternity. Maternity leave, yeah. And Mike just had to go back this week, but they're fine. They're doing well. And so, again, appreciate prayers for them as they are certainly starting a new journey uh, together. Uh, we're continuing with our series on kingdom stories. So, we're going to look at another one today. But I'm going to start with a question How many of you have heard or said, that's not fair. Right? I mean, there are just times when things just don't seem fair. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of driving down the highway, and, and boy, that was back, bringing back memories, because Columbia, South Carolina, I mean, that's the capital of the state. They have traffic, and so it's like, oh, I haven't been in this in a while. But uh, you're getting past, but you get pulled over for speeding. Well, even though I was speeding, that's not fair. <laughs> Other people were going faster. We have this sense of justice and what is right. Uh, when I was again, a, a vice principal or working with students, they have a, a really over-enthusiastic sense of justice. And, and I found, it's a little, it was a little trick I found, that when they get in trouble, that over-sense of justice will kind of get them to confess without realizing it. Because they, they say about someone else, well, well, so-and-so was doing it too. And I went, aha, that means you were. Right? And so that kind of opens them up uh, to, to what they, what's going on. Well, this is called the uh, parable of the laborers. I saw one commentary calls this the parable of the hours. And so the title's not as important. But let me give you the context. We'll be in Matthew chapter 20, but in chapter 19, there's some other things going on. And a few weeks ago, I reminded you that Jesus often told these parables as a response to something or to explain something. So it's important for us to understand uh, what's happening around Jesus at that time. Now, he may have used similar parables or other stories in different places in different contexts, but the, the, the timing of this is important. You may have heard of someone called a rich young ruler. He's in, he's in chapter 19, again, the previous chapter, and went to Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal, eternal life? And Jesus says, well, keep the commandments. And he lists them out, almost six or eight or so of the Ten Commandments. And this man makes an astonishing claim. He says, I've kept all those since I was a kid. Wow. I don't know who could say that. And you would think Jesus, who could look into men's hearts, would say, yeah, right, <laughs> sure. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, you know, there's one thing that you lack. So he's, in, by his silence, it's kind of affirming that this guy really kept the commandments. This was a godly, spiritual, righteous person. Jesus says, one thing you lack. 
I want you to sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Well, that was not what the man wanted to hear. His, his name's never given, but he is disappointed, to say the least. He, he, there, there is this feeling that we sometimes have of unworthiness, but this man didn't have that. And, and so he left, he left sad. That's that one thing he needed to do, he didn't want to do. Because he loved his wealth. He loved his wealth. We saw last week as Tom was uh, preaching about the four soils, the weedy soil says they, that we loved riches and it choked out the word. Well, this was certainly choked out by this man. The kingdom of heaven can't have you holding on to something else. Now, the disciples are shocked because they hear this guy. They hear what he says, and they say, well, wait, 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 Jesus, time out here. If he can't get in, and he's a really righteous guy, what's that mean for the rest of us? Jesus uses a hyperbole in exaggeration. He says, it's easier for a per, for to, to get a camel through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven because they tend to be self-confident, not as many, maybe not have as many problems or issues that would draw them to God. And I, by the way, a little side note, you might read from time to time and someone says, well, there is actually a gate in Jerusalem called the eye of the needle where, where camels had to really scrunch down to get through. Uh, there was no gate called the eye of the needle. Jesus was giving a hyperbole, an exaggeration. He's talking about a sewing needle. It is easier to get a camel through a sewing needle than for a rich person to enter the heavens. So the, so the disciples are saying, well, who can get in? Who can get in? We've given you everything. And in response to this, Jesus says this statement. He says, many who are first will be last and the last first. And then he says, now let me explain that to you a little bit more through a parable. All right, so do you see the context? Why is he going to be telling this parable? It's in the response to this rich young ruler. So uh, get into the next chapter, Matthew 20. No time has passed. I mean, it's right after that. After this discussion in Matthew 19 into Matthew chapter 20, they're, they're, just, they're still talking. It's not like days have passed. They are still in the same place. So a landowner needs workers. Uh, Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like. All right. it's, a, it's a simile. It's what it's like. It's like this story. The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for their vineyard. Now, we, we kind of learn on the side here that their day was a 12-hour workday. Started at 6 in the morning, ended at 6 at night. And so as, as we read this and you hear about the you know, third hour, fourth hour, sixth hour, it's a 12-hour period. And as a, as a vineyard, uh, especially at harvest, the timing is critical. And that's true today. If you go to a vineyard and it's harvest time and the, you know, the wine stewards go out and they're tasting the grapes and so forth, and they say, okay, now, everything all of a sudden kicks in. Whether they have automated harvesters or hand harvesters, they got to get those grapes in within a few days. 
And so the same was true for this vineyard. He needs all the labor people he can get his hands on. It's a very labor-intensive job to get the grapes in at a time or they're going to lose them. It's a small window of time. So this, he needs workers. Well, he's now going to hire workers. I'm going to read verses 2 through 7. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them to his vineyard. And going about, about the third hour, others were standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went, and going out again on the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, so 5 p.m., he went out and found others standing, and he said, why do you stand here idle all day? We're not told. Maybe they were snoozing all, we don't know, it doesn't matter. But they weren't hired yet. They said to him, because no one has hired us, and he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. So again, labor intensive. Needs all the all hands on deck kind of kind of day. Let's get these grapes in. And he makes a deal. At 6 a.m. he hires his first group of workers and said, I have a day's work for you. I will pay you a day's wage. That's what the, the denarius was. And that's how we knew, if you remember a few weeks ago, we did the, um, the parable of the unrighteous steward who owed you know, several thousand denarii. Well, that's how we calculated how much he owed. It was half of a lifetime based on that expression that we see here. It's a day's wage. Uh, the Roman soldiers were also paid this as a standard daily wage. So those are the 6 a.m. hires. That was the going rate. Well, then they had the 9 a.m. hires, and the, the landowner says, well, whatever's fair, I'll pay you. Just get out there. We'd get out there and start working. Uh, whatever is right. And so he, he must have been known as you know, a fair employer. Then you have the noon and the 3 p.m. hires. Same deal. And then, of course, as I mentioned, these 5 p.m. hires, one hour left in the day, and they too are sent. Well, now it comes time to pay them. In the, New, in the Old Testament, actually, Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 24, God's law says, if you hire people, pay them daily. Now, we don't, we don't do that so much here. We have pay periods, you know, two weeks, a month, or whatever. Some people get paid annually. That's, that would be weird. But they got paid daily. And it was important for the owners or the, the employers to, to pay every day. And obviously, they were paid in cash. And not hold it back from the laborers. So verse 8, uh, verse eight, yeah, 8 to 15. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. So the 5 p.m. guys were paid first, then the 3, then the noon, and so forth. And when those who hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. They worked an hour, and they got paid for 12. What a deal. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master and said, master and said that's not fair. Well, they didn't quite say that. 
saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. You know what? That's not fair. That isn't fair. But he, he the landowner, replied to one, just one of them, Friend, am I doing you no wrong? Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Yeah. Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So as we said, normally the laborers are going to be paid at the end of the day. Foreman starts with the last one and goes to the first ones. Everyone gets a day's wage. Even if they worked an hour or a whole day or not. He kept his word. The issue is he was generous. This is what the parable is really about. It's not about the reward people get. It's about the reward giver. He's generous. He is giving. And again, here's the, it's not fair, the grumblers. And you know, do you ever, do you ever be around people who can't stand to see someone else blessed? You know, it's just, you, you, so, someone, someone wins some money or they win a basket in one of these auction things you see around here, and they just get so annoyed that someone else got a blessing. And they feel that's not fair. And there, there's folks that are like that. We worked all day. We, we were in the hot sun. Do they feel entitled? Because you see, when, when we work, when we're doing labor for somebody, we're, expected, we're expecting to be paid fairly. That's just what we grow up doing. I mean, from the time when maybe we got an allowance as a kid, we had our chores and we had to do them and we would get paid for that. And then we get our first jobs and you punch in, you punch out, you know your total hours and you get paid for that. It's, it's, it's an expectation that we have. When you work for someone and they agree to pay you, you get paid. That's fair. That's our normal so to speak. We think, we think reward should reflect the services rendered. One commentary in the New International Commentary has a couple quotes about this. They say, but the kingdom of heaven does not operate on the basis of commercial convention. Remember, Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. You expect this to happen, but it's not like that here. God rules by grace, the same commentary says. The landowner defends, he gives his defense. He says, look, I, we, we're, we're cool. Try to bring me into court. I mean, he doesn't say that. But he kept his bargain. Take what you've earned and really ask him, am I not, literally, he says, he, I know in ESV it says, am I not generous? But literally he's saying, I'm good. I'm a good person. I'm not ripping you off. And as a result of this, parable, Jesus repeats that phrase back after the discussion of the rich young ruler. He says, so the last will be first and the first last. 
What's he talking about? The rich young ruler may have felt that he deserved more. That he was entitled to more. And you could look at his life and say, wow. I mean, I can't, I can't make that claim that he made. But, he's, but he could. But we'll hold on a minute. You don't measure things in the kingdom of heaven like we measure them here. Even the disciples say they're going to give all. They, they don't deserve more. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is Jesus' point. The landowner is, it represents God. He is gracious. He can give grace and mercy as much as he wants. And some people might think, well, that's not fair. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But he, God, here, here it is. God is not beholden to any sense of our sense of fairness. That makes sense? Just because we think something's fair, God probably doesn't really care. God's a God of justice. God's judgments are righteous and true. But boy, that, that kind of, I mean, we, we grow up with the, this is the way it is. You work, you get paid. And, and God says, I, I have a different yardstick. I have a different standard. I have something else that I measure by. What does he measure by? Himself. His own graciousness. His own kindness. No one earns more than others. Some will work more than others. Some will suffer more than others. Every week I read about uh, those suffering for the gospel. There was one the other, the other week of a, a woman in Mexico who's preaching the gospel to her family, to her spouse, and she's getting physically beaten by the people that love her because they believe in something else. Does she get more? No. God gives abundant grace to whomever and how much ever he wants. See, the point is not what we earn, what, we, what we're expected to get. It's his grace. That's the point. It's the will of the master and his character is really the important part here. This is not really a salvation parable about people getting in and getting out. I, I, think it's, I think it's important to mention that because if we think it's this parable about people getting saved, we have to be careful because people are working and we know from other passages, for by grace you have saved through faith, not by works. This is illustrating, every, it's everything about God. The, there won't be, and by the way, there won't be any complaining in the kingdom of heaven. Well, they got more, and he got more. He's got, his streets are more gold than my streets are. I mean, it's just, you know, it's kind of ridiculous after a bit. Now, there will be some varying rewards, and we're not, we're not again, th that's not the issue. You could look at 1 Corinthians 3 if you want to look into that more. But, but just remember, the point of this parable is the graciousness of God. So how do, how do, we, how do we respond? How do we apply this? Well, we have to marvel at the gracious nature of God. He has more than enough grace. Like this landowner, he could have, I mean, think, think, about, think about owning a business. 
And I've never owned a business, but one thing I know is that labor costs are your greatest cost. If you're going to hire people, that's going to, that's going to take the biggest chunk of your, of your gross income. And so they're always looking for ways to save on labor costs. And this guy could have done that, but he didn't because he, in his heart, was generous. God does not keep score or accounts. No one's his favorite. No one's his favorite. He's gracious to all. Our, our faith is not based on a list of our accomplishments. Well, I do this, and I do that, and I pray every day, and I am in the Word every day, and those are great, and we recommend them, and we're going to have a series is starting, uh, starting bef- in, in, in about a month about those kind of disciplines, and those are important to do because Jesus did them. You don't earn more grace. Guys, God does not measure like we do. He's not impressed with anyone's righteousness or sacrifice. The the kingdom, the king of the kingdom of God has an entirely different set of priorities of what's good and what is valuable. What are valuables. The The only thing that really impressed Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, faithfulness. If you were, you could have been the most, again, here's the rich young ruler. He had one more thing to do. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, righteous people, following rules down to, down to a quarter teaspoon of their spices that they were tithing. Faith is what impressed people. I'm going to make up a new word. I'm calling it firsty. First is going to be last. Last will be First. Because we generally grow up, my little win is growing up in a firsty kind of values. Because we think in terms of I'm first or I'm, I'm ahead of the game. I've earned things. And it, we could be firsty in our thinking in, in all different kinds of ways. In our, where we work, where, uh, how much money we make. Uh, we, could, we could be firsty in our talents. We, we put people up on pedestals. Uh, we honor them. And, and I'm not saying these, this is wrong. I'm just saying our mentality is very firsty. We're after that firsty stuff. We're after the recognition, whether it is nationally or not. I know a lot of you can care less that Taylor Swift will be at the Super Bowl. But you know why, these, well, you know why she's there? Is because she's a firsty. Now, that's an extreme example. The first are going to be last. The last are going to be first. Firsty values don't matter in the kingdom of God. They just don't. They just don't. It could, it could be education. It could be whatever it is. Whatever you're, you're piling up, whatever we are piling up, they're just firsty values. When you look at churches, for example, we're about, uh, about 45 people here today. We have no less or more value in the kingdom of God 
than a 4,500-person church. If a church is thinking that way, that we're really getting it done, and isn't God lucky to have us as this big 4,500 church, you know what they're thinking? They're thinking firsty. Or a church that has five. And the church that has 45, well, we, we have a lot more than five. We have our own building. We have lights. We have heat. We have, that's firsty thinking. And guess what? When it comes to the kingdom of God, the first will be last. A whole other paradigm. A whole different yardstick. You want another example? Think about the woman who was giving two little copper coins. They were called mites. And so when people were bringing in their money, I don't even know if they had paper money back then. It was all, most of it, the majority at least was coin. So when they're dumping in their offering, I mean, do you ever do those coin counters at the bank? It's almost embarrassing. It's a big sound. Well, they're putting in all their offering and it makes this big loud noise, this rush of sound. And here comes this little lady two mites, two little copper coins about, about the size of your pinky fingernail. And she throws them in and you can't hear a thing. And Jesus, Jesus being Jesus said, she gave more. Well, wait a minute. All the firsties gave thousands and she gave a couple cents. Uh-uh. God measures differently. She's going to be really the first. Because she gave everything that she had. They gave their surplus. They might be firsties, but she gave all that she had. It was as an act of faith and devotion to God. So, by the way, if you continue reading in this chapter, um, <laughs> they didn't get it. <laughs> they didn't get this first shall be last thing. Because this is where we read about James and John and their mom coming up. Can you have my two boys sit at your right and your left in your kingdom? And he says, that's firsty thinking, Mom. Okay, I paraphrased a little bit. It's not about that. It's not about the same values we have. We're going to be so surprised. Oh, my goodness, I spent so much time thinking and doing and investing in, in my education, in my work. And, and again, it, it, he's not saying that those are necessarily wrong. We shouldn't do our best. It's what do we value completely turned on their head. How do I know that the values are completely turned on their head? Because the first will be last and the last will be first. What it means. Completely opposite. So our attitude should be one of humility. It should be one free from grumbling. Don't look at another. Don't look at another's house, another's church, another, another career, another person and think, oh man, I want that. That's what I'm going to be striving for. Don't be a grumbler. Don't look on envy because God measures differently. We, we should not be self-important, in, in, especially in the kingdom of God. The same commentary I quoted before uh, has also said, this is the New International Commentary on the New Testament, it says, no one has a right to preeminence. In other words, putting yourself in front. No one has a right to preeminence or a higher reward in the kingdom of heaven. It is is all by grace. And you know, to all of that, I say amen and thank you. <laughs> because living in comparison to others 
is frustrating. A couple examples. When I mentioned driving and trafficking, when I was a younger man living in California, I had this idea that I always had to be in front of the pack. Because cars, I don't know if you ever noticed this, next time you're in a busy highway, see how cars run in packs. And I always had to be in front of the pack. And so I'm all, okay, good, I'm in front of the pack. But guess what? There's another pack. Okay, I get in front of that one. And, and I would get home and I would always be so full of anxiety and frustration. And then it hit me one day, why don't you just drive the speed limit and just drive and not worry about being in front? And I went, oh, I don't have to be first. It's okay. And it just took a big burden off me. On a, on a more, and you've heard me, probably heard me tell this story before as well, but there was a season in my life where I really, really wanted to earn my doctorate. I wanted to do that. I wanted, I wanted to, to teach in a Bible school or a seminary. I wanted to, 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 to be first in my career, in my field, or I wanted to work with uh, the ancient documents of the, of the Bible, you know, the old scrolls. They're all dusty and dirty and everything. And, 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 to, and to be a scholar in that way. I wanted to be first. And it wasn't happening. I felt like I felt like George Bailey from Wonderful Life. And just, if you know the movie, you read the movie, his, 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 his life just kept getting upset. He wanted to do all these things. He wanted to be first. And then one day I just gave it up. And it was like a weight off my shoulders that I didn't have to be first. It's a relief. It is a blessing to rely on the grace of God instead of my performance or my values here. All these values are going to be turned upside their head. Let's spend some time praying together. If you'd like to pray out loud, you're welcome to do that. Or at least pray quietly with us as we give you some suggestions from this passage. First of all, let's just praise God that he is gracious and generous. Yes, that is... The that is, the, that is the central thought of this parable. And then maybe you want to say, thank you, Lord, for being gracious to me, even when I, fill in the blank, even when I only worked an hour, even when I was lazy, even when I, fill in the blank. And then pray for our own hearts. Help us not to be envious when God is gracious to others. So if you like to pray out loud, get, uh, we have time. Let's do that.
Uh, two times today we're going to sing Amazing Grace, different versions. <laughs> and it is amazing. God, I'm not even close to the, the claims that the rich young rule yet, and yet your grace overcomes. Your work, Jesus Christ, is what I need to be right with you, to enter that kingdom of heaven in the first place. So God, my reliance gratefully, Lord, is on you and your graciousness and not on my works, not if I'm first or last. No wonder, the, no wonder Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Because we're building into things that are, again, not necessarily bad, but they are thirsty. They're just, they're just vapor. But your kingdom is real. Your kingdom is what matters. You're, you, you are the, you are the, you are the, the bank that's never going to fall, the currency that's never going to fail. You, your, your values of love and grace and mercy and justice and holiness, those are the things that last, that are, that are going to be carried on beyond our very lifetime. And, and you, through Christ, have given us the opportunity to build into those. So God, we pray that you would help us to examine our values this week. What are we holding on to, to to try and get ahead into this world? And Lord, especially not to be envious for someone who has these things that are just not gonna, not gonna matter a hill of beans later on. So we thank you for this parable and thank you for explaining to us so clearly what the kingdom of God is like in your name. Amen. Uh, a few announcements as our worship team comes back up. Uh, we've been frustrated by weather with our Tuesday Night Life group, but we're going to try again uh, this Tuesday uh, to start up again after you know, kind of our Christmas hiatus and so forth. Uh, but we meet here at 6.30 uh, and p.m. And time to time we have a potluck. We won't this week. Uh, but come join us. We, we, a lot of times we'll review the message or we'll cover some other Bible-focused topics. And it's for anyone who'd like to come, couples, individuals, or whatever. So uh, the other thing, and I brought a card and I couldn't find it. I, I thought, I, oh, is that it? Well, way over here. Yes. First, and I want to thank you for contributing to Living in Liberty and I tell you what, they've, um, Lori Bly has been helping organize that. Uh, our donations are going to the Butler Drop-In Center. I know Living Liberty is based out of, of uh, Pittsburgh, but they have drop-in centers around. The, and so we're helping them specifically in Butler. And if that, if that matters uh, to you at all. So uh, you, a lot of you brought in shampoos and soaps and everything. Thank you. Um, uh, we were, we happened to be at their, um, their repurposed store yesterday. I got this shirt for a buck. Okay. It was, it was a dollar day at, for clothing there. 
Uh, but in all of that, all of that, they didn't, the, all the people there are volunteers, so all of that money goes. You could look it up where, where that is. It is kind of far. It's about an hour away in McKeesport. But um, uh, they, they were nearly in tears to hear that we want to help them uh, in the Butler uh, drop-in center. And so thank you for bringing those things in. Uh, the, what, we're, what we're trying to do is maybe each month uh, give you something to do. And, it, and if it's too much month to month, that's fine. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, but uh, they're looking for women's undergarments, sizes 5, 6, 7, and 8. And then new or gently used walking shoes, preferably tennis shoes, uh, but low heel sturdy shoes. Okay, no, no heels. No. So if you've got a spare pair of, what do you call those? Stilettos? Yeah, they don't want the stilettos. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you just threw me right off. It just knocked me right out. If you, if you can't remember that back, we have them in, on the table, I think, back there. But here's a, there's a card that explains all this. And then eventually we'll move it over to our little display there. So again, thank you for that. You are, you are affecting people directly locally with that. Next week, uh, it, just want to remind you, it is the second Sunday of the, week, of the month. And so we will have our time of communion and also prayer afterwards at, at noon. And then finally, uh, I know a lot of you are still praying for Mason Martin and continue to do that. Yes, he's been improving. Uh, if, a lot of times Facebook has updates for him. He's, I guess he's doing some rehab work and so forth, but he's still got a long, long journey. Uh, and this month is his birthday. And so back, uh, we brought in a birthday card uh, and back on the counter, if you want to write a note uh, for him, please uh, do that, and we'll, we'll get it to, the, to him, uh, mail it or whatever. So um, don't forget that before you leave. Let's continue. We have, uh, we'll do, oh, give me, no, that's last week. <laughs> what he's done and then Amazing Grace.